Today, we are diving into one of the toughest problems that I see new homestead entrepreneurs facing. You know, we have a lot of great guests on this season. Some we've already had on, some I have on the calendar. You're going to love the topics and love what they have to say. We're going to be diving into marketing and shipping and branding and how to make video and how to show up online, like so much good stuff. But some of you I know are listening along, but you're standing there at the starting line going, okay, Jill, that's great. But what if I don't even know what my business should be? Well, first off, I want you to know you're not alone because there's a lot of folks in the same boat. In fact, I recently launched a, a homestead business program called the Self-Funded Homestead. And as I started to get to know some of the new students, we have a little private Facebook group and I was reading through some of their concerns and questions, I noticed a reoccurring theme. And that was that these folks are idea people. And I'm guessing you probably have a little bit of that same trait. They have lots of ideas, they have lots of passions, they have almost too many opportunities in front of them of how they could monetize their homestead or how they could create more community with a business in their area, but they just don't know which path is best. And so in today's episode, I want to dive in how to sort through this, how to look at all these options that you have in front of you as an entrepreneur or an aspiring entrepreneur, and how to know which one is the one, the one that you should go after, the one that you should chase. And so um, we're going to talk about the pros and cons of some of these ideas. And then I'm going to give you three magic questions that you can ask yourself. You can journal them out. You can work through that are going to bring you a whole lot of clarity. You're listening to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast where ambitious people master the art of returning to their roots. Have you found yourself disenchanted with society or wishing you could opt out of the rat race? Perhaps you're craving a life that's meaningful and tangible, a life where you can create and produce instead of merely consume. I'm Jill Winger, best-selling author and longtime homesteader. Over the last 10 years, I've helped thousands of families create more connection, grow amazing organic food, and find the ultimate fulfillment through an old-fashioned lifestyle. And I can do the same for you. Now, on to our episode. So I think I'm a little bit in a unique situation around this topic uh, because I have dabbled in almost all of these categories that we're going to talk about today. You know, I've done the online business, obviously, and monetized that in a variety of directions, whether it's sponsorships or banner ads or YouTube videos or, or products I've made myself. I've done network marketing. Um, we have started our beef business, which is still working to get that off the ground. So I won't say I'm an expert in that realm in any way, shape or form, but you know, that's more of like the farm product avenue. And then of course we just got our brick and mortar restaurant stuff going, which again, I'm still a beginner in that area, but that's a whole new world. So I've dabbled in a number of these options myself. Uh, I definitely have a lot of thoughts. I have a few favorites, at least as to where I'm at right now in my life, which ones I kind of like the best. And so I want to, I want to go through those with you today. Now, knowing all that, I want you to remember there is no one size fits all answer to this question of which business is best for me. 
Some of you may be similar to me and my preferences. Some of you are going to be vastly different and find fulfillment in a completely different style. So I'm going to do my best to present kind of the pros and cons of some of these options and then uh, just bring you to a point where you can ask some really important questions to get you where you need to go. So I kind of break down the categories of a potential homestead business opportunity into four different sections. So we kind of have our farm products, right? Where Whether that's the eggs, the milk, the meat, the soap you're making, the jam, you know, there's so many options, the fiber arts, whatever. So there's the farm products. That's number one. Number two, we have the world of online, whether you're starting a website or a blog or a YouTube channel or a podcast, you can monetize your homestead that way. Then we have service-based businesses. And some of that can cross over into the online world a little bit, but sometimes that can be maybe teaching a local class on cheese making or knitting or holding uh, an event. If you have a beautiful farm, you have a big field, maybe you have weddings, maybe you do a bed and breakfast, maybe you offer camping, maybe you do dog grooming, maybe you do animal boarding or farm sitting. So that's another way that you can monetize. And then lastly, a kind of another category, which sometimes gets left out of the list, but it's a really important one. It played a big role in my life is network marketing. You, you find a company you like, you find a product you like, and you start promoting a product um, from a different company, but it still is your own business. And so let's break these categories, these four different options down into the pros and cons, because there are definite um, good things and not so good things about each of these options. And I know that sometimes there's a few that people are drawn to more initially. That can be a little bit surprising. And when I've been talking to different homesteaders and entrepreneurs, sometimes they're a little bit shocked at, you know, something being not maybe not as easy or not as intuitive as they thought it would be at first glance. So I just want you to have the information you need so you can make an ed educated decision moving forward. So let's start with the farm product, right? That category, because that's definitely kind of the darling of the homestead entrepreneur world. And it makes sense because, you know, that's really the, I think the purest form of a homestead business. Obviously you're growing food, you're growing products, you're growing whatever, and you just grow extra and you sell that to people in your community and you uh, make your income that way. It feels really natural. Oftentimes, you know, maybe you already have the infrastructure set up because you've set it up for yourself and you can just do a little bit more and it makes a lot of sense. Um, so I know there's a lot of folks who have had massive success in this. You know, we see the success stories online or the people who have made their living shipping meat across the country or products across the country. And those are always inspiring stories. But what I see a lot of new homesteaders or new farmers say is that, sometimes they feel a little disillusioned with once they get into this world of selling farm products, it's not quite what they thought. And I'm not trying to discourage you from this in any way, shape or form, but I just want you to be aware because here's what I see the biggest challenges to be when it comes to just selling products off your farm. Because I've had a lot of, of questions over the years, you know, are you, can I, are you selling eggs? Are you selling tomatoes? Are you selling milk? Are you selling butter? Well, my, my answer to the butter question is never. I will never sell butter because I, every bit of butter is precious and I'm selfish and I want to keep it for myself. So never butter. But, you know, I've, I've thought about what would it look like for us to have an egg business or actually sell more of our raw milk or, or things like that. Um, so I feel like when it comes to these farm products, the margins are tight, 
right? So the amount of investment you have to put into a product in terms of feed or bedding or uh, infrastructure or your time, you know, the margins are tiny. So when you're selling eggs for $3.50 or $4 a dozen, that's not pure profit, obviously. You have a lot of money into your chicken feed. If you're buying feed from the store, you know, you're going to be making pennies on those eggs. And so you have to keep that in mind. And what I see a lot of folks doing accidentally is they end up giving their things away or they maybe not actually giving it away for free, but they underprice it to a point where they're losing money and they don't realize it. And so they're doing all this work. Let's say take eggs. I'm going to pick on the eggs, for example, because it's the most popular. They are feeding their chickens this amazing feed. Um, They're buying special egg cartons. They're washing all these eggs and prepping all these eggs and driving these eggs around to all their friends and family and customers and they're not, they're really not making anything. They're actually almost losing money when they figure in their time and their gas money and all the hassle and headache that has gone into that. So I think that's the biggest struggle with a farm product is making sure that it's worth your time. And so many people get caught up in the romance of, oh, I want to have an egg business. Or, I want to, I want to sell jams that they don't take into account the margins and if they're actually profitable or not. Now, if you're just dabbling, right? Like I sell eggs occasionally. It is not my bread and butter. I don't intend for it to be my bread and butter. So if I sell them for three bucks or four bucks a dozen, I'm not super worried about um, necessarily making a certain amount of profit because that's not my main business. I don't intend to to have a business selling eggs. I have businesses elsewhere. So I don't mind just doing that here and there. Or, you know, let's say you have a few extra tomato plants and you sell them on a Facebook group for four bucks a plant. You make a a couple extra bucks. Like that's cool. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're actually wanting this to help fund your homestead or fund even more, uh, help you quit your job, things like that, like you're going to have to have a very strategic plan in place to make sure that, uh, you're actually making an income. And I know that sounds so silly to say, but so many people don't realize that, that they're losing money on these products. The other piece of this is you have to be willing to market those products. And, you know, there's this, I think it's common with all new business owners and entrepreneurs. It's not just homesteaders. There's this idea that if I build it, they will come, right? If I put up a website, people will find it. If I have eggs for sale, then people are going to knock on my door. And that's just, it's just not true. You have to build it and then you have to market it. And I actually had someone the other day say, you know, I'm really discouraged. I put up a sign for that I had eggs for sale on my driveway fence and no one has called me. No one has asked for eggs. I haven't sold a single carton of eggs. And that actually was not surprising to me at all because I just know from my years of learning what works in marketing, whether it's online or in person, like you have to have far more of a marketing strategy than a Facebook post or a sign or a newspaper ad or things like that. Like marketing is a multifaceted thing and you have to be really creative and be willing to put as much time into the marketing as you are into creating the product which surprises a lot of new business owners. Like they take, uh, they don't take that into account and it causes a lot of heartache because um, it's really discouraging when the sales aren't there. So I would say farm products can be amazing and wonderful as long as you know your numbers, you know what you're putting into your product and then what you need to price it as. 
And then you are willing to do the work to market it and do your homework and do your research and get creative and you won't maybe necessarily market perfectly the first uh, bit, but you can learn that. And as you pay more attention to what's around you, that's where the magic happens. All right, so farm products are number one. Number two, online. That's another one I see folks. Sometimes I do these in conjunction. I'm going to sell soap, make soap for my farm, sell it on my farm, and I'm going to also start a website for my soap. That's a, you know super common. Um, the homestead online world has exploded over the last couple of years, especially over on YouTube. You know, that's kind of where a lot of homesteaders hang out. It's a very different world from when I started my homestead blog in 2010, right? Just a totally different world. Um, and so it's really inspiring. A lot of you have found me through the blog or the YouTube channel. And a lot of folks have started homesteading in general because of people they have discovered on YouTube and people they've watched start buy a farm and build a farm. And it it's wonderful for the movement. And it's only natural that you as a, as a homesteader or with an entrepreneur spirit is also wanting to join the ranks of the online homestead teachers or influencers, or I don't know, I'm really starting to hate the word influencer these days, but you know what I mean, right? The online homestead people who teach you stuff, those ones. So um, I'd say the pros, the good things about starting an online business is that the startup costs can be pretty small, right? Doesn't, doesn't cost anything to open an Instagram account. It doesn't cost anything to start a YouTube channel, you know, as long as you have some video equipment, but it doesn't have to be expensive. Um, and as you create, you know, whether it's you're monetizing through ads or maybe you're creating your own products or trainings, the margins are really good. Uh, potentially, they should be at least. Like if you're creating an ebook or you're creating a video course and you're you're doing that work yourself, or maybe you're hiring a designer, but you know you do the bulk of it yourself, your margins are great. Like if you're selling an ebook for thirty dollars, it's almost pure profit. And I think that's part of the reason. Well, I know it is the reason. As I ventured into other aspects of business, right, um, selling products or selling uh, beef or having this new restaurant venture. I'm used to online margins, which are like basically 100% profit, which is so not normal. That is not even realistic for the, the, the rest of the business world. And so it's shocking to me when I look at, oh, ouch, like that margin's tiny, but that's actually a good margin in that industry, right? When, I, when you're pricing restaurant food, I'm learning, you know, the margins are small. You don't, you're not making a high, high percentage of profit on a restaurant meal, but it, it, it works out in other ways. But in the world of online, um, there's a much higher profit percentage, which is very, very exciting, especially when you're first starting out. Now, all of that to say, and all those exciting things, small startup and great margins and potential for fame and fortune, online business is, is tough. And it's a lot harder than people think. And I feel like I'm constantly bur bursting people's bubbles, not to be mean, but just to be realistic because everybody wants to start a YouTube channel and everybody wants to start a, a blog and a website and you can, and there is potential there, but you have to be willing to work it like nobody's business. And this, you know, getting discovered on YouTube or having a successful blog or having a popular Instagram account does not happen by accident. And I know it can look like that sometimes when you're looking at your favorite online, you know, 
influencer or whoever. And it just looks like it just, they woke up one day and they started posting some random stuff on Instagram and then they have a million followers, but that's not how it works anymore. Like maybe that happened 10 years ago. And I don't even think it happened that much, but it's so much harder um, to be seen and to be heard in this sea of noise. And there's so much out there. So in order to stand out online, whether you're doing a blog or a podcast or a website or an Instagram page or whatever, you have to get brutally clear on who you are and who you are serving. Like I am, this is the non-negotiable. I cannot harp on this enough. And like, if you have worked in with me in business or business coaching or whatever, or you're in the self-funded homestead program, you know, I, I just preach this all day long. You have to know who you are and who you're serving. You no longer can get away with having, you know, www.jillseverythingfarm.com. Back in the day, whether it was a mommy blog or a homestead blog, like sometimes you could get away with that. Sometimes that worked, but it doesn't work anymore. And the biggest issue I see like with my self-funded homestead students is sometimes they get hung up, you know, they have a farm and they have a lot of different interests um, and hobbies, which is normal for a homesteader. We are multifaceted people, which is one of the beauties of this lifestyle. We have the dairy goats, we have the bees, we have the canning, we have the sourdough, we do fiber arts, we love all of these things. And we want to monetize all of these things at the exact same time. And I'm not going to say that never, ever, ever can work, but I would say 99% of the time that will not work. So you have to be willing to specialize, pick a niche, pick something that will make you stand out and will help you to be known, right? Uh, As tempting as it is to just have a farm blog, a farm website, like you can maybe get a teeny, teeny, teeny bit of traction, but you have to have something that makes you unique. Now, for me, sometimes I think people see my brand, the Prairie Homestead, right? Which is a little more broad and it can be confusing because they probably see, well, Jill teaches on cooking and gardening and all that. So that can be like, well, she's doing it. Well, I should be able to do that. But I want um, to draw your attention to, I actually do have a theme and I do have an overarching piece that helps me kind of be different and stand out. And that is, is that my specialty, it's not necessarily one part of homesteading, like canning or uh, cheese making, but my specialty is when it comes to homesteading, I am the one that people come to, to find information that is easy to understand. That's no nonsense, no fluff. And I also bring a touch of personal development in there and encouragement and talking about success and failures. And I bring a lot of my business experience in and, and that's what my what we call in the business world, unique selling proposition is I break down complicated concepts and make them fun and attainable and relatable. So even though I'm talking about different things and this podcast has covered a broad range of topics, I have that style. And so I would encourage you, if you're going to do something online, figure out what your thing is. And I would also encourage you, don't copy me. Don't copy someone else. Don't copy your favorite person on YouTube because you like their specialty and you want to be like them. Find your own specialty. And it's not to say that there can't be multiple people teaching cheese making, right? Sure, there's room for that. But figure out what part of cheese making, if that's your thing, 
that is special to you and that sets you apart and that's your style. And it might be a, a specific topic like cheese or bees or or canning or sourdough bread, or it just might be another type of style, right? Another thing that sets me apart, and this is kind of like a, a subset, is we have ridiculous weather in Wyoming. Ridiculous. Like I was in um, Tennessee this past weekend for a Homesteaders of America event. And it was so funny to me that um, one of the things that almost everybody who came up to talk to me, and if you came up to, to meet me there, it was wonderful to meet so many of you. And I so enjoy talking to you. But one of the things that came up over and over, whether I was taking questions from stage or I was talking to folks in the crowd, the weather. Oh my gosh, Jill, why do you live in Wyoming? Your weather is so crazy. I can't believe your weather. How do you do it? Like the, our weather is a, is a piece that makes my brand unique as bizarre as that sounds. Right. And I know homestead, um, YouTubers or homestead influencers that they have made their splash in the world of homesteading by focusing on, um, birds, hatching birds, or maybe it's baby goats, or maybe it is herbal medicine. Like they've all, these people who have risen to the top have picked something and really honed in on it. Uh, so that was a, a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I really would encourage you. I just can't stress this enough. Get specific and get specialized, especially in the, this day and age of the internet. It is noisy. It is crowded. The only way you will stand out is to specialize. Hey friend, I'm interrupting this episode for just a minute to talk about one of our favorite topics, mason jars. Who doesn't love figuring out a new way to use a mason jar? I know I do. But lately, I have been on a mission to reduce the amount of single-use plastics around our homestead, and I found a super cool tool that has helped me do that. Recap mason jar lids easily convert a regular old mason jar into a soap pump or a sprayer, or a strainer, or they make your pantry storage even handier. I've been using these lids to help me make kefir, to create bug sprays for my garden, and to use all the pantry supplies and herbs and spices in my cupboards. Recap Mason Jars is a super cool small company. They're based out of Pennsylvania, and of course, the lids are made in the good old US of A. When I was sharing with Recap some of the garden sprays I have been making this year, they wanted to put together a special gardening kit for you guys, my podcast listeners. It includes a pump, a sprayer, a couple flip tops, and two shaker inserts. You can use it for the garden sprays or you could use it for a million other uses, really. The sky is the limit. You can save $15 on this kit and get free shipping and you don't even need a coupon. All you have to do is go over to theprairiehomestead.com slash recap and put it in your shopping cart. And now back to our episode. Okay. Um, number three. So we had number one was farm products. Number two was monetizing online or having a website or whatever. Number three is a service-based business or a service-based side hustle. And that could be things like teaching classes. Maybe, you know, you go into your local community enrichment program, like our community colleges around here have great little classes they offer and you set up a, a, a class and they help you find students and you teach gardening or you teach how to make bread or you teach um, any, any of your skills. Maybe you figure out how to monetize that way. Maybe you have folks on your homestead and you teach a certain 
way of doing things, making sauerkraut, making kombucha. You do fermenting classes. You do canning classes. Maybe you are actually doing the thing for people. Maybe you're grooming dogs. Maybe you are farm sitting. Um, I would still include, you know, using your property like for a venue or an event or a bed and breakfast or an Airbnb, like maybe that's a piece of that. I feel like these are great options, especially when you're starting out because you don't necessarily have to have a giant online platform or a huge name in your area to just fill a class. You know, you charge $40, $50 a person. You you give a really high quality two hour class on fermentation or canning or gardening and you fill it with um, I don't know, 10 people, like that's going to be a nice little chunk of change that will just help boost your homestead budget as you go. And then just keep following that. You don't know where that can lead down the road if you keep um, following that path. Now, I would say my biggest caveat to this whole service-based idea is that remember that this is trading hours for dollars. And Now, in in the typical kind of standard American or standard human train of thought, trading hours for dollars is really the only way a lot of people ever consider making an income. But if you look at successful entrepreneurs and successful business people, they have figured out that trading hours for dollars is not necessarily going to get you all the way to where you want to go. And there's nothing wrong with starting out like that. That's fine. But at some point, you have to learn how to maximize your time and maximize your skills. And so it's okay to start like that. But I would say, know that down the road, have a plan in place to expand because eventually you'll bottleneck, right? So if you're teaching classes on kombucha, you can, you only have so many hours in a day or in a weekend to do that. And if you start to become famous for your kombucha classes, there's only going to be so much time you have, or maybe even time you want to spend teaching those classes. You're going you're gonna to come to a dead end of, I can't make any more. I can't grow anymore because there's only one of me. So at that point, you have to figure out how to either duplicate yourself. And I'm not being silly when I say that. You, you do that by hiring folks, training folks, creating a team. Or you figure out how to go from one to one or one to few, that format, and you switch into one to many. So maybe you make a course, maybe you figure out how to teach online instead of teaching local. So I would say service space is fine. Again, just to reiterate, but make sure you have a plan as you grow and as you expand. All right, and now my fourth category, we had farm products, online, service space. Now it's network marketing. And yes, I am including this on the list because this played a pivotal role in my own story, you guys heard that back on uh, our season a couple months ago where I told you my story. Um, but yes, network marketing is viable. And I know there's a lot of haters on network marketing these days and people say it's not legit. Well, let me tell you, it is. it can be legit if you are willing to put the work into it and you treat it like a business. Um, network marketing, and I was in doTERRA. I, I'm in doTERRA, you guys know that. You've probably heard that before. Um, the thing that was magic for me at the point in my life when I joined doTERRA, which was back in 2012, is that it had very little startup cost. Like I bought a couple hundred dollar kit and that kit launched a very large business for me, just that process. And so if you have very little business experience, you don't have a lot of capital to start with because Guys, here's here's something that you need to understand. Business costs money. 
It costs money to make money. Whether you are starting a brick and mortar business, whether you're starting a farm store, like you have to have some sort of little bit of cash at least, or a little bit of capital to start. Um, I mean, it's just how it goes. And it doesn't mean you need to have hundreds of thousands of dollars, but you have to be willing to invest just a teeny bit. And for me, it was investing, I don't know, $400 in an essential oil kit. And that got, got the ball rolling for me. And that was really crucial because at that point in our time and in our budget, we didn't have a ton of money to go buy a restaurant or to go build, you know, a farm store on our property or things like that. So I had to start making my money in ways that didn't require a lot of cash at the beginning. But here is the kicker. You have to, if you aren't, or if you are doing network marketing, you're doing any of these options, but especially network marketing, you have to work it, <laughs> which sounds maybe obvious, but if you had seen the things I've seen over the years in this industry, you wouldn't be surprised that I'm saying that because a lot of people don't realize that the product doesn't sell itself. And I don't care what your upline tells you, the products don't sell themselves. You have to get out there and sell the products just like you would if you were have if you were marketing eggs, you'd be marketing the eggs, right? You don't just sit back and wait for people to knock on your door. Like every once in a while, very, very rarely, that will happen, but that is not a marketing strategy. That is not a marketing strategy. You have to have a plan, whether you're selling eggs or soap or jam or some sort of network marketing product, it is all the same. And the reason I was be, I was able to take that $400 kit and transform that into an actual viable business that ended up funding our homestead, literally, that's how we built our addition. That's how we built our shop was with the income from my doTERRA business was that I treated it like a business. I was dead serious about it. I was so serious. And I marketed it in an authentic way. I wasn't slimy. I didn't like harass friends and family, but I just marketed it in a way that I knew would be helpful to people and that would help me find the people who really wanted the product. And that worked wonderfully for me. And even now, as I've you know transitioned more into my own products and I do my own things now and less about the... Um, doTERRA stuff, like that was a really awesome piece of my business journey. And I, I still recommend if folks are new to the world of business, they don't have a lot of knowledge there. They don't have a lot of startup, find a company. If you, if you can find a company that's, that's good and has good products that you believe in and a solid compensation plan, there's nothing wrong with going that route. There are bad companies out there. There are slime ball companies. So you got to do your research. Um, but it can work if you are willing to do the work. Okay. So that was my spiel on that. We have all those options. Okay. And I, maybe you're feeling now like, wow, that wasn't super helpful. And I even feel more <laughs> conflicted about which one is the best one for me in my homestead. So here are my magic questions. Here are my three questions that you can ask yourself and you go grab a piece of paper, write these down, um, to help you sort through, because I can't tell you the exact option for your homestead. And when I had my students in self-funded homestead coming like, Jill, which one should I do? I'm like, I can't tell you that your gut has to tell you that. And you guys have heard me on this podcast talk a lot about listening to my gut. And I hope that that has inspired you to listen to your gut more. And sometimes that can take some practice. Sometimes if you've ignored those feelings for many years, it, you kind of have to reignite it or you have to start paying attention to it more. But that is how I make my business decisions is I think about it, I pray about it, I journal it, and I listen to my gut. And what it feels like 
for me anyway, it feels like excitement. It feels like passion. It feels like butterflies. It feels like a little nausea sometimes, but you'll know. You will know. And that's how I knew to invest in the soda fountain when we did, even though at first glance, it doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense to the average person. Um, But I know, I know it was right. I know it was right. And I don't know what the story will be or what it will become, but I know that was right for us at that point in time for whatever reason. So these questions are going to help you listen to your gut. You might not know the answers right away. Write them down, journal them, journal them some more. Think about them while you're weeding or while you're cleaning out your pens or mowing the lawn. I know for me, I ruminate when I do manual labor. So that's why as silly as it sounds, my lifestyle of weeding and scooping poop and sweeping out the barn, those actions are crucial to my creative process. That's why when sometimes when people are like, are you going to outsource that? Are you going to hire that out? Well, I mean, I do hire some things out, but I'm not going to ever hire all of that out because I need that quiet time of moving my muscles and manual labor to help my creative juices flow. Okay, here are the questions. Number one, what are you passionate about? Okay, and maybe you're going to say, oh, a lot of things, but no, what are you most passionate about? And sometimes this is going to take some reflection and some meditation and some thinking to sort through, especially if you're an easily excitable person like me. I love a lot of things. Think about the thing that really calls to you. The thing that maybe you can see a thread of throughout your life as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult, what was kind of the thing? Maybe you had a propensity towards it. Maybe you didn't. But for me, I can sometimes see this thread weaving through all those years and I didn't even see it at the time. This should be the thing that you want to learn more about without even trying, right? You don't only have a reason, but you're, you're getting these books from the library and you're staying up late at night thinking about it. And you think about it when you get up in the morning, or maybe you're at your regular job, you have a, a nine to five and you're sitting there and you're, you can't help but think about <laughs> this other thing that you really want to be doing. That's how homesteading was for me. Like it literally, once I finally figured out what it was, cause I didn't even know what it was for a, the longest time, it reached out and grabbed me. And I remember, you know, I was working as a vet tech still at the time And I love my job as a vet tech. I really enjoyed it. But I like couldn't stop thinking about homesteading (laughs) all day at the vet office. And so I I remember I'd be in there cleaning and I'd be prepping dogs for surgery. And and my brain was like thinking about cheese and thinking about goats and thinking about compost and thinking about chickens. Like I was so freaking excited about it. I couldn't stop thinking about it. So follow that spark. And and very, I want to say very rarely, but I would say just definitively, that spark has never led me wrong when I'm listening to my gut. Okay, number two, what resources or skills do you currently have at your disposal? Okay, so think about skills maybe you have from a previous life. Maybe you know about event planning. Maybe you have a background in the flower industry. I don't know. Maybe you have a background in food service. Maybe you have a lot of milk cows. You just got a lot of milk cows. You have a lot of goats. Maybe you can grow potatoes in your area like nobody's business. What resources and skills do you have available to you? Uh, For us, I mean, there's a lot of answers to this question, but for me, as we were getting our beef business, kind of figuring out what we were doing there, we went with beef because we can raise beef. 
should I start a, a homegrown organic vegetable business? No, I should not because it is like pulling teeth for us to grow vegetables here. You can do it as you know, but it is, uh, it takes a lot of effort and there's a lot of risk and there's a lot of chances they won't make it through the summer. But beef, on the other hand, we're good at growing beef. We've grown a lot of beef. Our area loves to grow beef. Our grass is made for beef. So that made a lot of sense just to use the resources that came naturally to us, the ones we already had at our disposal. Okay. Number three, here's your third question. Where are the holes in your area? What is missing? What could you do better? Okay. For us, there's a lot of beef producers in our area. There's a bunch, especially after COVID. We had our little shortage last year, and now everybody and their grandma is selling beef. But not a lot of people are selling grass-fed and grass-finished beef. There's a hole in the market with that. And I also realized a lot of the people that are selling grass-fed and grass-finished aren't, how do I say this? I'm not probably going to offend if hopefully, no, no. I don't know how many local people listen to this podcast, but they weren't, but some of those producers weren't doing it to the best of their ability, right? It was kind of like their marketing was a little lackluster. It was a little bit meh, not super impressive. So I thought, well, if we can grow grass-fed, grass-finished beef, and we can market it well and tell the story of it well, that will have something. So that's where we went, okay? Um, yours is going to look probably completely different than mine. It depends on your area. It depends on what's available. You know, everybody wants to do eggs and they want to offer homemade jams or goat soap, like so much soap out there, so much soap. And that's fine. You can do that, even if it's already being done. But you have to figure out what is going to set yours apart. What makes it different? What makes it better? Um, and it can be something simple. Maybe your eggs, you feed them the best soy-free, GMO-free organic feed, or maybe you make all your own chicken feed and it's all kitchen scraps. And so you market your eggs as eggs the old-fashioned way because you feed your chickens like great-grandma would have fed her chickens with kitchen scraps and foraging and bugs. And you can prove it with these bright orange yolks and you really talk up that story and you express that story and how you share your product. Maybe that's what it is, but it has to be something that's going to set your product apart. So once you can answer those three questions, you're going to see some intersection with your answers, or you should if you give it enough time. And when you find that thing that you're passionate about, that your gut speaks to you on, the thing that lines up with the resources and skills you have at your disposal, and then you figure out how you can bring that thing and use it to fill a hole that's missing in your area, that, my friend, is probably your million-dollar idea. Or maybe not a million dollars, but you know what I mean. The magical idea that's going to take you and your homestead to where you want to go. And it's going to take some work. I know sometimes people get frustrated with the ideas not coming. But I, I feel like, and in my experience, once you kind of open yourself up to these ideas and let them just sit in your brain, ruminate. That's like my favorite word. I love the word ruminate. So good. Ruminate, soak, marinate inside of you. The answers will come eventually. Uh, just just be open and be thoughtful and ready for that inspiration to hit. So I guess that was a longer episode than I thought. Generally, my solo episodes don't go this long. But anyway, I think that was good. I hope that was helpful to you uh, just to get clear. And I'm excited to see what you guys create. I, there's so much interest in homesteading right now. So many people coming into it. So many fresh ideas. It makes me super, super excited. And for those of you who don't want a homestead 
side hustle or business or whatever you want to call it, that's okay. You don't have to have one. Maybe you're listening to this season with all these smart business people coming on and I'm doing interviews with them and you're like, "Mm, it's cool, but I don't know if it's me. That's okay. You don't have to, Uh, but just tuck this information away. If that's you for down the road, you never know when that will happen or when, when it will hit you, when inspiration will strike. I never had an intention of being an entrepreneur. As a young adult, I didn't even identify as that. I didn't think I had it in me. It never crossed my mind. And then lo and behold, here I am. And I have since realized it's a really big part of how I'm wired and it's, it's extremely fulfilling. So don't ever be completely closed to that possibility, but also don't feel pressure that you have to be like everybody else. You can also just have a homestead and enjoy it and do your thing. And you don't ever have to necessarily make an income for it from it. All right, friends. Um, okay. So for those of you who, you know, you want to create a homestead that helps fund itself, you maybe have some ideas, you need clarity, or maybe you're just looking for some business plans to help kind of do some of that heavy lifting for you. I would love to invite you to join us in the self-funded homestead program that I mentioned in today's episode. It has step-by-step business plans. It has a bunch of bonus trainings, has our little private group. You can come in and get feedback from other homestead business folk. You can check it out over at www.selffundedhomestead.com. And if you use the code podcast, when you check out the the coupon code is kind of all the way down at the bottom of the form, you'll get $50 off. And that's just for my podcast folks. So selffundedhomestead.com, I'll drop that link in the show notes as well. But we'd love to have you join us. Uh, It's a great little group. All right, friends, that's all I have for you today. We will be back in a few days with another episode in this homestead business season and Yeah, that's it for now. Take care, friends. Happy homesteading.